0: Welcome to the Airmen Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your host, Khalith Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of our Airman Helping Airman podcast. I'm Khalif, your CEO for Air Force Aid Society. And today, as always, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Kara Taylor. Now, I want to take a second to tell you about Kara and the great work uh, that she's been doing. So she is a licensed clinical social worker and a life coach. I like that. And what separates Kara from most life coaches is her extensive background in helping people make successful behavioral changes that can last a lifetime. She is a soon-to-be author. We have that in common. I'm also a soon-to-be author. She is an expert on transition coaching for military members who are separating or retiring from military service. And I quote from Kara, I clearly believe my purpose on earth is to support women veterans and build a community of like-minded people not afraid to change our thoughts, transform our lives, and begin living in abundance, end quote. Now, Kara, another thing we have in common, was in the United States Air Force for 13 years, and she held a of position. She was the director of Peak Performance Center for three years. She was a mental health flight commander for three years, and she was an ADAPT program manager for seven years. And she left the Air Force just last year in 2021, where she successfully transitioned to business ownership, Kara Taylor Coaching. We'll talk a little bit more about her coaching business, but she holds a bachelor's degree and a master's of social work. And you can find her on all the social links to include LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kara Taylor. Kara, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for that warm introduction, and I'm really excited to be
0: here today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again for joining us. You have a really interesting and unique background to include your military service, the United States Air Force. So tell us what made you join the Air Force and a little bit about your career. How did you enjoy it? And then maybe we can transition into what made you get out of the Air Force.
1: Okay, perfect. So I joined the Air Force in 2008, and I was really at a point in my life As a social worker, when you're working in nonprofit companies, you're not really making a lot of money and making $30,000 with a master's degree got harder and harder the longer I tried to do it. And I felt kind of pigeonholed in my career and quite honestly, my love life. And so one day I got an advertisement from monster.com, if you remember them, and it said a licensed clinical social worker for the United States Air Force. Like this is the time for me to go explore some new opportunities and of course serve our country.
0: Yeah. And so how how was it? How was your career throughout the Air Force? Did you enjoy it? Did you get to travel? How did you find the years that you served?
1: Overall, it was an amazing experience. I love the travel. I love the people that you get to meet along the way. My favorite duty assignment was at Spain in Germany. It was such an incredible time to be overseas and travel the world, live life. And my son was born there. So I, it holds a special place in my heart as well. There, it's not all roses and rainbows, but I would say overall, it was a wonderful experience.
0: Yeah. So I'm also interested in during your time, especially during your time when you were with the ADAPT program. So ADAPT stands for Alcohol, Drug, Remind us again.
1: Yes, alcohol and drug abuse prevention and treatment program.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, during your time with ADAP, during your time as a flight commander, what insights did you gain about airmen and families and the things that they go through?
1: One of the things I would say is that mental health is a hot topic in the Air Force. There's still so much stigma associated with getting help. That's um, one of the things that I think was hardest to swallow is. I felt like we were putting out fires a lot, people coming to us in crisis mode. And so really, it was there that I learned the importance of prevention and trying to get to people before they have the ARI, before they have the suicide attempt, before they have the domestic violence incident. That was probably the biggest takeaway that I had while serving.
0: Absolutely. And uh, for our listeners, ARI is an alcohol-related incident that many of our service members, well, not many, but some of our service members encounter when they're having mental health or other problems. Well, again, thank you for your service and thank you for the wonderful things that you did while you were serving. But let's transition to the wonderful things that you've been doing over the last year or so uh, since you got out. You made a decision last year, 2021, to get out. How did you come to that decision? 13 years. That's kind of that. Most people, if they get to 13 years, they decide to go all the way to 20 to get their retirement benefits. What made you get out at that point in your career?
1: Yeah, I know that was a, a tough decision to make for sure at 13 years. One thing I may not have shared with you all is that I'm actually still a reservist. So I haven't completely given up my military retirement, but really I had started receiving some life coaching a couple of years prior and really starting to explore like what makes my heart go pitter patter. And it was really this coaching model that I really enjoy. I still get to help people like I do in therapy, but it's a lot more solution focused rather than problem focused. And I feel like we can really get to help people a lot sooner than later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I've said to people and even to myself in a whole bunch of different ways that you should figure out your purpose. Right. Find your purpose. And happiness will come, find your purpose and paper will come, but I've never heard it the way you just mentioned it. What makes my heart go pitter patter? I like that. And so it sounds like you discovered your true purpose and then you just went for it.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, it was scary to do for sure. I uh, decided in January and by July I was on terminal leave. So it was a really quick um, decision and hurry up and uh, separate.
0: Yeah. And I know you do some work and we'll talk a little bit later about the work that you do with transitioning moms and and spouses. But tell us about your transition. So you made this decision and within six months you were already out. How was that? Did you deal with any any stressors? Did you have a smooth transition? Tell us about.
1: I would say overall the transition was smooth with the exception of my move. That was not a smooth transition at all. One of the most stressful things that I feel like I encountered my whole time in the military. We decided we wanted to move ourselves and try to make one, I don't know, make some extra money with the move and doing it ourselves and hired a moving company and everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And to this day, the moving company hasn't given me everything I needed. And we still haven't been reimbursed by the Air Force for this move. So oh wow, <laughs> financially, that was a huge setback for us and stressor for sure.
0: Okay. I got a few friends still in the Air Force. I'll see what I can do to
1: <laughs> thank
0: fly you. fire into somebody to help get you guys paid. No, thank
1: you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, otherwise say it was smooth.
0: Okay, good, good. And so being a, a licensed clinical social worker and a life coach, I do a little bit of coaching myself, executive leadership coaching. And one of the things that I was always taught was kind of the difference between therapy and coaching is therapy is, and I think you mentioned that it was problem oriented versus solution oriented, but therapy is mostly kind of deal with the past and life or coaching deals with the future. Do you find the two complementary or do you ever find that there's kind of conflict between coaching a client and providing therapy?
1: Yeah, so I do think there's a lot of similarities, and I am still doing some therapy just to continue to pay the bills as I build my business. So I for sure use coaching in my therapy, but you cannot be a coach and provide therapy to your coaching client. So I've got to be able to separate that out and make sure that I do not step into that therapy role if someone starts talking about that kind of stuff, which is hard because people just like, you know how people talk to bartenders about their problems. Like people just know somebody they to talk to about stuff. So I have to have those clear boundaries and make sure that I don't overstep and do anything unethical for my clinical license.
0: Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. And I know it's got to be tough because I think with all of us, even though sometimes we like our lives to be in these separate pockets, mostly life kind of is intertwined in all various ways. And so and talking about something that might be impactful from a life coaching standpoint, you might very, very easily get into some of the things that require skill set. So yes. glad you have both sets of skills and, and you're good at, at doing the balancing act.
1: So what inspired you to take all of the things that the skills and talents that you have as
0: a therapist and a coach to help these transitioning women in the military?
1: It started off, honestly, by my own journey, hiring my coach, doing all that self-discovery. Honestly, I started working with military members sort of by accident. (laughs) I initially, my focus was on just moms and helping them build their confidence and self-love after my own journey. And then military members started reaching out to me, help asking them to help them with their transition. And then the light bulb like went off. Like I still want to be able to serve and help my fellow military members. I have these skills and I thought, why not use these skills to help a population that's near and dear to my heart?
0: Yeah. So you got military women reaching out to you, asking for help with transition. What are some of the things that they were struggling with?
1: One thing is just knowing when is it time to close that chapter of your life and start another one. Some of it's just technical stuff with how do I go about submitting my separation request or something like that. And then afterwards, more about the who do I want to be when I grow up type questions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Those are the good questions. Those are the fun questions. Because essentially they're asking to help me figure out what makes my heart go pitter-patter, right?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed when you're in the military, for sure you start adopting the core values of the service that you are serving in, but sometimes then you don't really know at the end of the day, like what does Kara stand for? What are Kara's values and really trying to figure out like who is Kara now that she's no longer wearing the uniform? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And how long would you say it took you to figure that out? <laughs>
1: I think I kind of had an advantage because I was receiving coaching this whole entire time. So it didn't take me as long. I would say, though, maybe six months.
0: Okay, And so you've mentioned a a couple of times that, you know, while you were still in and you were receiving coaching and actually the coaching is kind of what inspired you to figure out your ultimate life plan and Your goals. How did you stumble upon or how did you find out about coaching and how did you go about obtaining and selecting a life coach?
1: Yeah, so that's a funny story. I um, was scrolling Facebook one day and I came across another military couple who had posted a picture of their car that they had just bought in cash. And I was just floored by that. Like, how on earth does somebody not have a car loan? This is incredible. How did you do this? And that led me to Dave Ramsey and his financial coaching. And then I was like, Ooh, I wanna help people with this because I was starting to pay off debt, get momentum. So I hired my own life coach to help me build my business. And through that process, is where I discovered one of the reasons why I was spending so much money. It was how I felt about myself. And spending that money helped fill that void temporarily. Mm -hmm. And as I discovered, what it meant to love myself, like my whole world just completely transformed at that point in
0: time. Yeah, so you sought out a coach based on some of the experiences that that you had. What would you say to the people in the audience who might be looking for or want to have a life coach? What are some of the qualities and characteristics that you might recommend? I imagine that like leadership coaching, there's tons and tons of life coaches out there. What's the best resources and what type of things should you look for in a coach?
1: I think one thing is just making sure you're gelling, your personalities match because you're going to have somebody who's helping you through this major transition in your life and helping you reach your goals. So for sure, you want to feel connected to that individual. I think it's important also to take a look at their experience and their background and how is it that they are the can best help you? They're the best fit.
0: Yeah, I would also maybe add that figuring out whether it's credibility and probably trust is a big thing too, right? Because I think like any coach a sports coach a life coach a leadership coach, part of their responsibility is to provide you some insights on some things that you might not want to hear, some things that you might not, not like. And so you want to be able to trust that person, that they have your best interest in mind when they're trying to get you to go through exercises and do things that you may not want to do.
1: Yeah, and I think that brings up another point, knowing what type of coaching you want. Do you want someone who's really going to push you? Do you want someone who's going to be a little bit less intense? I think that's important to know what it is you're looking for and that you find a coach that matches that
0: need. Yeah. So which one of those coaches are you?
1: I like to, (laughs) I mean, I will give people what they want for sure, but I do tend to gravitate towards pushing people.
0: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I need that i might have to call you later.
1: <laughs> yeah. Become my life coach. Yeah.
0: Good. Good. So tell us about when you use the term ultimate life plan, what does that mean?
1: So I developed a five pillar system, but ultimately the ultimate life plan is about helping people reach their goals and dreams, living that life that they always dreamed of, having that freedom, fulfillment, abundance. The five pillars that I created for this program are to work on habits and mindset, building your tribe and building that social connectedness, also discovering your passion. So that goes in line with who is it that I want to be when I grow up. And then ultimately, having that self love and confidence where you can go out and do all the things that you want to do and not have fear paralyze you.
0: Okay. And how would you recommend? someone or what are the keys to creating this ultimate life plan, particularly for moms or transitioning women, you're part of the audience that you typically work
1: with? I mean, I think one of the most important things someone can do is be open to feedback. That is going to be a huge part of the process and really motivated to go after their goals. If you're not really motivated, there's not much a coach is going to be able to help you. Do. So I think that that's a critical component. Those That would be the biggest thing I would say.
0: Yeah. So what would you say to the person that you're coaching that just doesn't feel motivated, right? How would they go about developing this life plan if they just don't have the motivation for whatever reason? You've probably seen this in, in lots of people in, in your social work and your coaching.
1: I think one thing I would want to differentiate, and this is the mental health provider in me, is the lack of motivation due to some kind of depression. And perhaps that depression should be treated first. But also, we can use our motivational interviewing skills to work on people's motivation, as well as really helping people find what is your passion What are, again, what makes your heart go pitter patter, right? Because if you're doing things that you love, the motivation does tend to come more naturally.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's kind of go to transition here or stick with transition. What have you seen as the most common struggles of people transitioning out of the military?
1: Finances, I think, are always going to be a hot topic for people. Money um, troubles people all across all walks of life. And honestly, I think the important thing a military member can do to help them with their finances is to honestly start preparing for your separation or retirement the second you walk on active duty. I think that we need to start changing our thought processes and working towards that readiness from day one because it sure is a lot easier if you're not working on it that last six months before you take off your uniform. The other two things that I would say are the biggest are losing that sense of camaraderie and their purpose. And then I think that who is it that I am? Who is it that I want to be when I grow up? I've seen a lot of people struggle with that, particularly for folks that came in when they were 17, 18 years old and the military is all that they knew. I mean, I was 28, so I was sort of already on an established path. Who is it now that I don't have
0: this uniform? Yeah, I don't do any official transition coaching, but I have a lot of friends and colleagues that I talk to and help through transition. And one of the things that I think is most prevalent and it's centered around really all of these, but kind of what stands out to me the most is fear. And you mentioned something that people say to me all the time. Hey, the military is all I've ever known. It's all I've done my entire adult life. And Sometimes they flat out say, hey, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't quite know if I'm, I can make it out here. But other times it's kind of hidden. And you, as certainly a skilled person like yourself would be able to see it and pull it out and help them address it. But I think fear plays a huge part in transition along with these other things. Because I hear the things that you mentioned too, I miss the camaraderie. Certainly finances play a big role. And some of that is kind of tied to the fear piece, right? people not knowing if they can get a job making the money that they think they can and, right. and you would not believe how many friends I have that retire after 30 plus years and say you know I don't know who I want to be <laughs> when I get out of this military
1: right when I grow up right even if I'm an older adult I still don't know who what's the next chapter of my life gonna look like yeah yeah and going back fear statement. We all have that fear inside of us. And then, you know, what sets apart high performers is they have the fear and they go after the thing anyway. So that's one thing I incorporate in my coaching is going after the fear, even if it scares, you know, the living but bejesus out of you.
0: <laughs> yeah. How about maybe one of the things that could help ease the fear is finding community after transition. One of the things that I think is great about the military is this level of camaraderie, maybe not in all places, but in general, I think there's a high level of camaraderie and fellowship when you're in the military. You always are surrounded by people, sometimes people who care about you, sometimes not. But how can people, particularly women who are transitioning out of the military, find that sense of community outside of the walls of military environments?
1: So one thing that I did not pay much attention to when I was transitioning out and that tap classes i to you getting a free premium LinkedIn account for one year. It's an amazing thing. I didn't really realize the power of LinkedIn for the veteran community until I really started exploring it. I had been looking at Facebook and different Facebook groups. And I didn't really find what I was looking for. The things that people were talking about in those groups were not things that I was really relating to. And then I go into LinkedIn and I'm like, this is where the transitioning military members and veterans are hanging out because they're looking for a job. And there's so many wonderful veteran organizations that I wouldn't have known about had I not stepped into LinkedIn. So To me, that's like one of the most wonderful places to find that network of like-minded people, men, women, all together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think LinkedIn is a great resource. I've made lots of connections and developed some business partners and connected with people very similar to like in your case that have needed help with transition and, and other things. So if you listen, make sure that whether you're in and it's certainly if you're transitioning really a couple of two, three years before you transition, get a a LinkedIn account. It'll be well worth it. Yeah. For those people who are listening today, Kara, who are in the midst of transition, what advice would you have for them?
1: Going piggybacking on what we just talked about, really that's building that sense of community, I think is important because once you take off the uniform, there is this period of time where you feel really alone. <laughs> Not that your military friends aren't still around somewhere, but the mission goes on without you. And I think that that's a, sometimes a hard pill to swallow as you're out processing and leaving. And it's kind of like a bye. <laughs> And then you just really feel alone for the first few months. So I think knowing that you're not alone, finding this community of people who can help you, who can refer you to other people, I think that would be the biggest set of advice I would give to someone transitioning out.
0: Okay. And maybe even, so I understand that on Women's Veterans Day, which I believe is the 12th of June, you're hosting a group coaching, uh, transition group coaching event. What can people expect? And maybe that's a place that if people come, they can help establish that sense of community and connect with folks who are going through the same thing that they're going through. But what can people expect from your your group coaching event?
1: One of the things we are talking about is leveraging LinkedIn to help you meet your goals. And there's a lot. I don't even know that Amanda Huffman, my partner, is going to be talking about. She's been using LinkedIn even longer than myself. We're going to work on building that sense of community for sure, letting people know that they're not alone, getting us connected. I think talking about our experiences as women veterans, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how do we move forward, I think are the big three takeaways that I have for the Women's Veterans Day event.
0: Okay, well, that sounds fantastic. And I have a few of my good friends that are in the middle of transition. So I will make sure that I send them your way so they can get signed up for this event. I think it'll be great for them. Thank you. All right. Final question. It says on your Instagram account that you are a soon to be author. How much can you tell us about what you're writing about?
1: Right. So I started off this process maybe a year or so ago, and I was starting writing a book for moms. And now I have decided as I transition to working with military members, I am switching what I'm writing about to talk about my military experiences and how I created my own ultimate life plan and using, giving people those, those skills, those steps that I took so that they are interested in following a similar path that they can do so.
0: Okay. Sounds like a plan. And when do you think we'll be able to get a copy of this book?
1: I am hoping in the next six
0: months. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, good luck with the book and I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to hear about all the great things that you continue to do from some of my friends that I'm going to recommend to you. Hopefully, maybe you get some clients and certainly I think you'll get a few of them in your event that will occur next week. So, any last thoughts for our audience about transition, about coaching or anything?
1: One resource I didn't mention that I think is good for transitioning military members is YouTube. There's a lot of wonderful videos out there for transitioning military members. I also started my own channel to really just give some people's real life tips. Like, And I do it as I see needs. Like when I got my cat card after I got out, just talking through the steps of, you know, what does an IMA do to get their ID card? What do you do to set up VA healthcare? Because sometimes those tasks, even though they're easy, they can feel very overwhelming to a transitioning military member. So not only my videos, but for sure, all the other videos out there from other transitioning veterans, I think is a wonderful resource for all transitioning military members to take a look at.
0: Right, that's really good advice. I think I've learned everything that I know how to do in the last 10 years from YouTube and, and the last year from TikTok. So uh, <laughs> really, really good advice. Well, Kara, thank you once again for joining us today. And thank you, more importantly, for the wonderful work that you're doing in this mental health and life coaching space. I appreciate it. I know all your clients and the transitioning military members, specifically the transitioning women that you take the time and you pour into, I think really appreciate it as well. So thank you for what you've been doing. Thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to reading your book when it comes out.
1: Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I had a really great time.
0: All right. Thank you so did I. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm Khalid, your CEO of the Air Force A Society. And we have with us today, Kara Taylor, licensed clinical social worker, life coach, and Air Force Reservist. So thanks again for tuning in. And Kara, thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen, brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out more about how we make a difference, visit afas.org. And then... Be sure to search for Airman Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.